WBNE. Howdy, Oaks. Before we get started, a few announcements. These will take longer than usual, so if you need to skip ahead, the show starts at about three minutes. One, it's Pride Month, and in the past, we've spent all of June covering movies that celebrate the LGBTQIA community with guests from that community. This year, we simply cannot do that. Not because we don't believe in the cause, we absolutely do. We just logistically cannot currently facilitate guests on the show. Instead, we'll be dedicating the show each week to a podcast or creator in the LGBTQIA community, urging you to go engage with their content. This week, we want to dedicate this episode to our lovely friends at Sounds Fake But Okay. They're an amazing group of asexual women putting out incredible content, and their last episode was all about uh, the Pride Month and, and of a Q&A session. It was very good. Highly encourage you to go listen to Sounds Fake But Okay. Uh, two, thank you to everyone who has completed the listener survey. Your feedback is incredible, and I am so excited for the future of this show. The survey is still available, and I'm still reading every single answer. The link is in the description. Please, please, please go fill it out. It takes like five to ten minutes. And last, Patreon. I'll live with you. Our Patreon support has been waning over the past year, and we really need your help. This month, all of June, we are doing cameo-style videos for all new and upgrading patrons to Bacon and Eggs, as well as personalized postcards. We could really use your support, and if there's a reward tier we're missing or a barrier we're putting up, please let us know. We want the show to be the best it can possibly be, and we want to make it better for you. If you have questions or comments, please email us at baconandeggsmedia at gmail.com. And what I mean by personalized cameo videos is that anyone who becomes a new patron or upgrades their existing patronage will get a personalized video from Ethan and I singing to them. We're going to sing you a song, a song, probably not of the South, but, you know, a song (laughs) of our love for you. And we really want you to do this. And I am a bad singer. Here's a preview. Happy. That's all you get. I can't sing the rest of the song. Um, but that's, I mean, that's kind of a preview. That was, I imagine that was pretty enticing. So <laughs> please, please go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs. We really could use your support. And I, I think you're beautiful and you look extra good in this light. Anyway, let's get on with the show. Howdy, Oaks, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Garland. And I'm Ethan <laughs> And today we're talking about movies. Don't we do that every week? So pick your favorites. And defend them to the death. Because today we're bringing you... Uh, like 20 movies probably, I don't know. There has to be some overlap here. Uh, these movies were all directed by Taika Waititi. <laughs> they were all released 592 days ago. No, um, I would be surprised actually if any of them were directed by Taika Waititi. I do not have a Taika Waititi movie on my okay, list. Okay, I can confirm uh, that none of them are directed by Taika Waititi. <laughs> uh, so what we're doing this week is we are we're going over, as you see from the title, our perfect 100s. I want to shake things up a little bit. So it, in addition to that, I also want to give some context to the movies and try to sell you, the listener, on them if for whatever reason you haven't seen them. Most of mine have been covered on the show because I pick a lot of the programming. Uh... I don't know if Ethan's have, though. He said in the prep for the episode that all of them were more than 10 years old. So most of them no, probably not, not. That did not end up being true. That did not end okay. up being true. But okay. I, did, I got like halfway through the list and I was like, most of these are made before I was born. 
or very shortly after. Oh my gosh. I I do have like going into it, I want to be Did you have any major franchise films in your lists? Uh not a one. I have Well, te- w- technically, technically I did. I think let me let me pull mine up real quick. So I, I, I just I'd- want to start by saying this is by no means an exhaustive list of movies that I would give 100% to. Um I have given 100% to movies on the show that I did not list on this list. I think I've given 100% in this list to movies that I didn't give 100% on the show. I think I have I have definitely will now give 100% to movies that I previously would not have on the show. That is definitely a thing that happened in this list. But I also try to branch out from the list a little bit or from the show a little bit with my list. Uh, maybe give some people the the idea to to bug us about covering some of these films that I like. Um, I Ethan, here's the thing. A lot of times, I'll tell you this now. A lot of times, we'll be getting towards Monday or Tuesday when we pick the programming, and I will yeah. text you and I will say we are covering whatever you want to cover this week. And then somehow, the, and not but no fault of my own, the conversation ends with. Tyler, what do you want to cover this week? And then I end up picking a movie that I really like. So I'm telling you now, you have to pick more movies moving forward. You got to provide less pushback on. I'm providing no pushback. Because then we cover movies that I like and you're mean to me about them. Like when we covered Mank and you were like, I hate this movie. This movie sucks. And I was like, I'd give this 100%. And you're like, there's no way you would do that. You can't. You have to be lying. And like, I, I don't honestly, know why I have those conversations sometimes. I didn't know that you were going to like Mank. You truthfully. also uh, <laughs> don't like black and white movies. You don't like movies made before Jaws. That's you, not true. I will watch watched, black and white uh, movies. It's a Wonderful Life in color, like a heathen. Heathen. Can I? Can I tell you? You know, we read a lot of books. Also, I think I made this point before. I don't like any books that were written after the year two thousand, and I don't like any movies that were made before the year two thousand. <laughs> before the year two thousand. <laughs> yeah. Um. No, I will pick more movies going forward. Just like I always feel weird picking movies, even when I'm like alone, right? Like I could do an episode alone, and I'd be like, Ghost, what do you want to cover? <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I want to do what's best for the podcast. I always want to do movies. And a lot of these movies are are movies that people tell us to cover all the time. Um, I did also, I have a couple on the list that, uh, or not on the list, I have a couple that that did not make the list, and I'd like to talk about why certain movies do not make the list. I Like, you will not find a Quentin Tarantino movie on my list. I, I also, I had one queued up and ready to go. Can I ask you which one you were thinking about? Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Oh, you see, now that I reflect on it more, that's probably the one I would have gone with. But the one I had queued up and ready to go but didn't put on my list was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's a certain level. All all the movies on the list, for the most part, are movies that like may create awkward conversations, but are movies that I would show another person. I, I So let me say this regarding movies. Uh, I have been in a non-movie drought for a while. I would say all year for me. Yeah, like all year. Like I have watched the movie for the show, but outside of that, I haven't been as into the hobby, which like if this is your first episode of Bacon and Eggs, hi, welcome. We love movies. It's our whole personality. I'm chock full of movie trivia. That's my only hobby. Um, But this year, since January 1st, I've really only watched the movies for the show. And then I also took six weeks off of the show, roughly, give or take. I don't know how long I was actually gone. Uh, So like... During that time, I tried to watch Raya like three times and I failed every time. And that was like it. Um, so I, I can't really, really remember what we covered last week. What did we cover last week? Um, oh, uh, Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit. I got really into yeah. movies around the, the Oscar nomination time and I watched a bunch of those. And then ever since then, I just fell off of it completely. Um, Which I actually think now is the perfect time to talk about perfect hundreds because you have no recency bias. Correct. Um, oh, except for Jojo Rabbit, which did not make my list. Did not make my list. Um 
did not make my list. That would have been weird if last week I was like, yeah, it's like a like a 92 or whatever I said, or 84. I don't remember what it was. 90 something, I think. And then it would be weird if I turned out the next week and you're like, actually, that's a 100. That's um, a hundo. So yeah, like no Tarantino movie makes it for me because uh, I cannot just always deal with that much like grievous violence and gore. Yeah, I feel that. Like it has, to, I have to, and that being said, there are, uh, there is at least one uh, grievously violent movie on here, but not in a Tarantino type way. Let me, let me look at mine. I don't think I have a grievously violent movie on here. Um, I also tried to add some, a couple comedies. So minor and minor, not in any particular order. Minor, not either. I, uh, I think I have one of them listed twice. Uh, <laughs> I gave you a challenge to to, to, to tie about ten movies. You give a perfect hundred to, and you came up with nine. No, I have one uh, titled incorrectly. Is what it is. Ah, uh, and and now I can't. There it is. Okay, well, uh, screw it. Let's just get into it. Um, okay, what is the first movie you wrote down? The first movie I wrote down. I sat down and I. I this is how I approached it. I said, when I'm thinking about perfect one hundreds, I'm thinking about on my worst day, what movie do I want to watch? And I think that that might be a bit of a loaded question. Maybe that's a tough question, right? But like, so and not necessarily my worst day. Like, I'm super depressed or something like that because I, I don't say, think I'd watch like, this movie if I was super depressed. Same. Uh, but like, like I'm talking about like a sick day, essentially. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I went immediately to like rainy day sick day films, and the first thing that came to mind, and I wrote it down immediately because because it was the first thing that came to mind. Uh, it was a movie. I'm gonna read my description of it before telling you the title, because I think it'll make, build the suspense. Build the uh, suspense. A movie about a teenage boy and his girlfriend and his best friend taking a day off of school and enjoying the best part, the best things that Chicago has to offer. And it starts as a story about the antics of young friends. It evolves into a coming-of-age tale where a young boy overcomes his fear of himself and embraces a relentless future. And it's got something for everybody. So the first one I wrote down was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What a good call. Um... That's the kind of movie that, like, I don't think anybody can possibly fault you for having that on your list, right? Not that that's a criteria you should think you look at, but like that's one where you could say that in any room in the world, and people would be like, "Yeah, yeah, I get that." Yeah, that could that, be my favorite. That movie could be too. my favorite movie of all time. Yeah, and I love Ferris Bueller's Day. I love that it starts out being so about Ferris and so about like his character, but then he ends up being pretty static throughout the whole thing. And it really turns into a story about Cameron. Yeah. And I, I love the sort of tonal shift there from like, you know, Ferris is, I, he does learn some lessons. He changes a little bit, but it's really, at least to me, and I think to different audiences, it could be different things. But to me, it's really about Cameron and uh, sort of coming to terms with like, absolutely. I'm not going to be afraid of my dad. I'm not going to uh, be afraid of the future. I'm not going to be, you know, I don't necessarily need to have ambition right now. And I don't think Ferris does either. You know, I think Ferris and, and Cameron have so much in common uh, and their major difference is that I mean, one of them is a glorious optimist and the other is a glorious pessimist. For for all the monologuing Ferris does in that movie, I think the best speech in the movie is made by Cameron when he which, talks which about the car. Right, when he's like, when Cameron was in Egypt. No, not that land. one. <laughs> not that one. <laughs> when he talks about the car, Let right? When 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 Ferris, Cameron oh my God, you go. just holy, <laughs> you just blew out entirely when you leaned back. <laughs> you cannot lean back in that chair at all, uh, listeners who are not watching. Uh, Tyler is in a hotel somewhere in the world. Where in the world is Tyler Carlin? Right, you got a big red hat on. Um, 
Yeah. No, he's in a hotel somewhere in the world, and uh, he's working with garbage hotel lighting, and he just leaned back, and the the screen exploded. It didn't do it as bad this time. Oh, I didn't, yeah. But I looked over, and I was like, oh, God. Um, Yeah, no, the camera makes a speech about uh, about the car, about his dad, and Ferris is like, you know, I'll take the heat for it. And he's like, no, I I want it, right? Because he'll have to talk to me. Have to have a conversation. And that's yeah. a that's a powerful moment in film. I do think that is absolutely a good a good call. Um, love that movie. That that did not make the list for me, but it is it is one that I didn't think about honestly, but think I th- should have thought about because mm-hmm. I can't think of anything wrong with it. Right? Like, there's nothing that's that I'm sitting here being like. I mean, nah, like, this listen, part of the movie makes me feel like it's. We can totally probe it, you know, in 2021 and be like, well, they didn't have enough diversity in the film. That's for sure. But I, I do think that's one where you got to put your, you know, 1985 glasses on and be like, this is a whole decade of, of white teen movies. Well, and for a lot of mine, I didn't sit down and think about like, you know, what is its place in history? I didn't think about like uh, some no, of them yeah. I did, um, but but not because I like it for that reason, just because I think that they're uh, achievements in filmmaking. Um, but I, I do think that I can't, you know, that, that one immediately passes the eye test, right? Where you, you think about the movie and you're like, yeah, you know, that might be a hundred, right? There's nothing sitting yeah. there. Cause like I go back and think about certain movies. Like I did, I did not put Shawshank Redemption on this list. Um, no, me neither. And a I lot didn't of put people, Shawshank. I don't think I have anything from the IMDb top 10. Um, I'm pretty sure I do. No, maybe not. Top 10. Maybe not. I definitely have things that are on the IMDb top 200. Yeah, absolutely. I think all of mine might be, honestly. Um, but uh, so the, the number one that I wrote down, which I think is just something I'm going to have to uh, accept at this point as being my favorite movie, because it, when I said I sat down and wrote a, a, write a list of, you know, perfect hundreds, uh, the first thing I wrote down was Dead Poets Society. Really? Oh, I did not put down Dead Poets Society. See, that was one I thought was definitely going to be on Ooh. both of our lists. Now that you mention it, it's like, oh, yeah, obviously that should have been on my list. I love that film. I love Robin Williams. I love like um, I think that was the thought I had when I asked you to make this list was like, OK, I got I got a dead poets. I got to find nine more. Right. That's I think wild. that really might be my favorite movie. And then the more so, I think about it, here's dead poets for me is this is not a complaint. This is uh, like a, a more a timing thing than everything else. I have no fault with the film, but I love the first two acts. And by the time I get to the third act, I'm like, I've actually already gotten everything I needed from this film. I don't need uh, what's his name to die. I don't need that plot line. Like everything I needed came in the first two acts. That's not a complaint. I think it, it closes beautifully. Uh, but it's like it almost gives me more than I need, if that makes any sense. I feel that way about most movies ever though like (laughs) Like a third act is very challenging (laughs) there's some part not even that it's very challenging there's some parts of me that just like i like first acts right like i think that i'm a big fan of like the first song on a record the first movie in a series uh there's something about that that like the first season in a tv show i've always really found comfort in that like before it goes off the rails kind of moment i think a lot of times movies obviously being such a condensed thing right you need you got two hours or less usually to tell a story. Right. A lot of times you have to really kind of rush through it. And so there's a lot of movies that, that I don't care about the third act for some reason, because like I've already got you exactly what you said. I got what I needed out of the story. Um, and I actually do think that poets brings it home really well. And it is important 
to to show the full story, to show that it's not just like that. This this thing that we're teaching these kids, it, this, this subversity, can be just as dangerous yes. as it is because society's just unwilling to accept it. Right? Like yes. this is oh, this I is the big one. We were having this conversation last night about um, the pressure on men to be men. Right? Yes. And I think that this is such a powerful stepping stone in the the story of boys becoming men if this like you know the kid wants to to be an actor he wants to and not even that he just wants to do something for him for the first time right. in his life and there's so much pressure put on a lot of kids to like you know everything you do is for a reason before you're 18 and like you have to do xyz because your parents say so and that's not a mentality I was ever raised with uh it's a mentality I probably could have done with a little more of honestly but <laughs> Um, no, I, every time I think about great movies, I think about this movie, right? Like I, the only reason I don't absolutely hate the bagpipes is because of Dead Poets Society <laughs> because of the score in that movie. And like, you know, it doesn't hurt that it was, it was a movie that both of my parents loved and like that I put on the top 10 list back when we made it originally back when I still lived in Newport news before, you know, either my parents passed away and that's something I can still take with me. Right. Yeah. Like, but it's not, it's a movie I can still watch, right? Like it's a movie that my parents love, but doesn't hurt me to watch because yeah. there are definitely movies even on my my our original top 10 of all time list that we did where like i can't like feel the dreams i i don't know if i can ever watch that movie ever again just because of the the particular subject matter um that movie might be ruined for me forever which is sad i'm going to try to reclaim it at some point but it's not exactly something that i am like dying to put myself through right but dead poet society it is it is a tough movie to watch it is heavy it's powerful, but I think it always comes through. Like it always makes me, I always leave feeling better than I did before. Yeah. I, um, I love that freaking movie. And it's like, it's one of our best episodes and that itself has become a like Kenny Chesney, I go back type nostalgic memory to some extent. Do you listen like, back? No, I don't listen back, but like people keep bringing it up constantly. People are like, this is why I love bacon and eggs it's from this episode. Like, this episode helped me survive senior year, whatever, X, Y, Z. And so it's just this, like, it's becoming this bigger than itself part of, we have episodes like this throughout the history of the, of bacon and eggs where like the things we say in them have become bigger than the episodes themselves. Yeah. And that's so funny. You mentioned that. Cause my, my second film is one of those episodes. Really? Okay. Yeah. Go for it. What's your second yeah. film? My second, I got to read you the description. I, I like this description thing. I don't know. I think I might catch on. My co-host might do it next time. I forgot completely at the time we got to the end of the conversation. Forgot completely that I was supposed to be doing that. Uh, so this is a movie about a, a college-aged musician at a prestigious conservatory, and he gets more than he bargained for when he ends up with a terrible teacher who shows him the sort of unbeaten path to greatness, you know, the path only beaten by the the absolute greats. Sure. Yeah, and this is, uh, of course, Whiplash. Whiplash. Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons. Uh, I, this is the first one that I've watched for the show, for this show that I think has made it into my top 10. Yeah. Cause you've never seen sense. it, right? I had never seen it. Yeah. And it and was one of those ones where I was like, I can't believe you haven't seen this man. Cause I knew you well, were going to love it. I, well, and I have like, definitely not to the level of what you were talking about, but I definitely have some like unresolved trauma with trauma is probably the wrong word. Unresolved. I don't know. Situations lacking closure regarding like my college music department. Sure. Uh, and and I think that this was very important for me to see. And very, like, because when I watch this movie, I mean, when I watch this movie, almost immediately, I'm like, yeah, J.K. Simmons' character is right. Like, this is how you should be treating musicians. Like, if you want to be the best, you have to work this hard. And you have to, to give it your all. You can't, you're not going to be the best just by 
and I think the point is like you don't have to be the best. Right? Yes, absolutely is the point of the movie. The point, that, <laughs> right. the point that I think a lot of people watch that movie and miss is that, and that's why it would go so much lower for some people. Mm-hmm. Is like you don't have to be the. It's okay not to be the best. It's okay to not want to be the best. It's okay to be a great jazz drummer. Yeah, it's okay to be a great jazz drummer. It's it, you don't have to be the best jazz drummer ever, ever, right? You also, because be this is a rich. wildly subjective art form. Yeah. Like how to even do it is subjective, but it applies to everything, right? It's like, you don't have to be LeBron James to love playing hoops, right? Like you also, you don't have to be LeBron James to be in the NBA, right? You do have to work pretty hard to be in the NBA, (laughs) but you don't have to be LeBron James. Yeah. You don't have to be LeBron James. That's absolutely true. There Um, are other players. There are other players. Yes. If you want to be a professional athlete, um, it is it is easier than being LeBron James. It's not easy, but it is easier than being LeBron James, right? It's impossible to be LeBron James. It's impossible James. to be LeBron James. And <laughs> if you are the, not already that's part of the LeBron problem with sports, James. And it's also part of the problem with drumming and any, any, there's a certain amount of talent involved in being the best anything. Well, and the problem with trying to be Buddy Rich is that like, Buddy Rich wasn't comparing himself to Buddy Rich. No. He, like, at least not old records of Buddy. He was probably like, oh, I need to do better than that last performance. But, like, when Buddy Rich sat down the first time and did his Buddy Rich thing, like, it was just, that, that had never happened It before. never happened before, yeah. <laughs> Ever. Like, maybe it had on some, like, live performance, but, like, tracing back to, like, the original kit drummer that did crazy nasty stuff is, like, within the past 150 years. Right. Yeah. Right. The That was, that's a newer medium, Right. Right. No, absolutely. And I think that's why it loses so many points for so many people is that they look at it and say, well, you know, this isn't right because like the teacher's being to him, whatever. And like that's true. Like maybe we shouldn't teach kids like that to some extent. Or Uh, maybe I think. And this is this is the toxic part of me is like, well, maybe he lost his job and lost everything so that he could create this great musician. And really, that sacrifice is important. I mean, he knew he was going to lose his job. Surely he couldn't keep on like this. He obviously wasn't doing this to other students. People would have said something. Well, and he was, and they did. Well, yeah, but he made some great musicians out of it. I mean, I don't know about you. He did make he did make some great musicians <laughs> out of it. He did uh, uh, cause a kid to to end his own life. Yeah, that was obviously not good. That's not good, right? So, like, there's a, right. there's a, a probably an unhappy medium there, but there is a medium. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I just love Whiplash. It's one of the movies I just love. I, this is one of the big things I think. Uh, like specifically, like privileged white men, we there there are so much content out there for us and made for us that I think like when we first started doing the show, I had a hard time understanding like why representation was important. I don't now. It makes perfect sense. I don't know why I was confused, but you got to let people grow. Okay. But like, I think the reason I had such a hard time understanding it is because I don't watch movies to see myself in them more often than not. I, a lot of times I'll watch a movie because I want to see a thought experiment unravel. Right. Right. And I think that's what whiplash does so well. And a lot of movies, like a lot of 19 year old boys who have seen plenty of movies about themselves want to watch Fight Club because they want to know, like, what if I was not what if I was, but like, what if someone was schizophrenic and the person he met wanted to punch the daylights out of him? It doesn't mean they want to be that or see themselves in Tyler Durden. They just think it's an interesting thought experiment to unravel because they don't have to worry about representation because there's plenty of films with representation. Sure. And at some point, if you're listening to this episode for us to have like good, nuanced, smart opinions about these movies, it's probably not going to happen this time. Correct. Like, that's not really what we're going for here. This is a much chiller episode of Bacon and Eggs where two white dudes talk about 10 movies they love. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's there's as, always going to be inherent problems with that, right? There's always going to be inherent problems with that. Well, I'll tell you the truth. Most of my movies, stars are white. 
Yeah, most of my movies are are movies that um that white dudes love, right? That's I mean, just does, fi- does Fight Club make your list? That's it does what not. I want to know. No, 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 mine neither. No. It's way too complicated. Yeah, I don't just want to sit down. And, it doesn't one hundred percent hold up at any point, right? Like, it's a good movie for sure. I don't think it gets. Uh, I mean, I don't think it deserves the kind of hate that it gets at this point. Um, but no, there's that that did not make my list. Um, my number two. About, yeah, here we go. My number two is a movie about uh, about a farmer who uh, has some trouble. He and his oh he and his kids. Oh my god. <laughs> How a dare movie, you put this on? A here. movie Tyler hates. <laughs> I don't hate this movie. I will quite enjoy this movie. A movie Tyler hates. It's about a farmer that goes to space. <laughs> it's the music video the for International Harvester. <laughs> it's it's the music video for International Harvester by Craig Morgan, a person I probably shouldn't talk about. Probably, but I don't think has done anything off the top of my head. But I'm not going to Google it. But I'm not going to uh, Google it at this moment because I do like that song and several others of his. Uh, but anytime I Google a country music artist, I'm a little scared. Yeah. Uh, Some R. of R. them are great people. Anyway, it's Interstellar by Christopher Nolan. Interstellar. Interstellar. I didn't have any Nolan on my list. I think Interstellar, uh, the, the, the more removed from it we get, I think it's one... That it lives on rewatchability. Like there's things you pick up, peek up every time you watch it. Things you pick up from <laughs> things, movie every time you, you watch. Pick up every time you'll see something different. You'll see Marv. new space, new star on left. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I I really like Interstellar. I I think I was probably a little harsh on it on our show. I don't know what I would give it now. Probably like an 88. I think I gave it like a 72 when we did it. There, that's about uh, lukewarm I was on it. Um, it's one of the all-timers for me, man. I think about this movie every day. I think about the soundtrack from this movie every day. Like it's it's like the culmination for me of filmmaking to some extent. Uh, like the type of filmmaking that I think I liked from the time I was probably f- thirteen to the time I was like twenty-three or twenty-four. That was it. Was movies like that. I think Christopher Nolan definitely captures that for me as well. Interstellar didn't make my list, and there are no Christopher Nolan films on my list. Uh, mostly because I was going off gut feeling and I, I couldn't think of 10 movies. Um, but that was the prestige for me for a long, long time. And, and the prestige and Interstellar, I think, follow a lot of similar beats. Sure. Um, I think the prior to seeing Interstellar, I would have said the prestige. I also, the prestige doesn't hold up in, uh, on an, on an all time scale for soundtrack the way that Interstellar does. So soundtrack is one thing about like cinema in general that I am very bad at getting into. Uh, and I wish I was better about this because like, like I was a college musician and I was obsessed with wind ensembles in high school. And I was obsessed with like the idea of movie scoring and movie scores. But like as an adult, it's just a genre. Like I always feel like when we were kids, if you had a favorite song that you picked because it was in a movie that you liked, it couldn't be your favorite song because you heard it in that movie. Does, does this make sense? Yeah. I, I still think to this th- think that to this day I think soundtracks for movies I'm talking about scores I think soundtracks I, I, I'm for the talking most about scores as well but uh, yeah right but like if you watched like if if you watched Never Back Down and you heard a song in that movie and you were like I love that song I'm gonna look it up and listen to it and then you listen to it I feel like I couldn't tell people that like oh yeah I heard it in the movie Never Back Down I yeah. do not feel that way anymore oh I still I do, do still but f- I'm wrong like <laughs> right. that makes me an asshole right like, what's wrong with that, hearing but I do feel that way hundred <laughs> percent. 
Well, it's like Power by Kanye West was the preview for The Social Network. And every time I hear that song, I'm like, yeah, you only know this song because The Social Network. As though like Kanye West isn't one of the most famous recording artists I mean, I was, I was having this argument with Kaylin before we came on the show. Of like, I think I said the phrase that uh, you, there's no reason you should know Phil Collins from Tarzan. Like, that's a bad reason to know Phil Collins. And, so and a I, lot I, of kids I, I were introduced. Okay, I, get right. I, am the, I am the asshole with the bad opinion here. I understand that. Um, but I like, I think TikTok anyway, has that's, really done this for me is made me think about movie individual pieces of movie scores. I think oh. TikTok has brought to light to really highlighted some really good pieces of movie scoring that I would have never thought about before. That's caused me to delve into that more as a medium. And, and it's caused me to think about the scores of my favorite movies and, and, and be more cognizant of that as I'm watching movies ever since I started like thinking about that kind of thing and listening to it. And like, it's definitely been something I've getting, been getting more into recently. I think Casey Winters had a lot to do with that. Cause he was always asking questions about like, what's your favorite piece of movie score? And like, you know, uh, really starting to develop some opinions on what I actually think about John Williams. Um, I think, I think knowing you're a movie score person is when you're like, I mean, John Williams is good, but like, I think if you listen to uh, if you listen to um, my episode of the restricted section of the Harry Potter podcast that came out yesterday as the crow flies uh, for when you're listening to this, I believe I said the phrase, yeah, John Williams was good, but the Harry Potter movies really came to life uh, when when Nicholas Hooper took over. And I truly I, believe that. I didn't even know that that happened. Is that, that was the... five and six. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So Williams did one, two and three. Um and I think his music works brilliantly for the first two uh, because it's they're Christmas movies, right? They they sound like Halloween and Christmas, and all John Williams songs sound like Christmas to some extent, especially the kind of music he wrote for Harry Potter, right? Like the do 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 do. It's they're they're Christmas and Halloween songs, right? Like it's it is what it is. He might as well be Danny Elfman at that point. Like you're doing okay. Uh, the third one, um, I really felt like the music was out of place the whole time. It's way too heavy. It's way too John Williamsy for the movie. For uh, Alfonso. I feel and then, like and then the fourth Carver. one was some other guy, and he did. He was responsible for the marching band thing, which is again one of the all-time pieces of, of, of like musical humor in movies. Is when the freaking marching band starts playing over Cedric's dead body. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. I think here's my here's my theory on Alfonso Cuarón and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Okay. It could have been two people. It could have been a guy with a cello and a guy with an oboe. And I say guy, could be a woman. But I think like two instruments yeah. could have done the whole thing. The whole movie, yes. <laughs> you get Alexandre Desplat, who did seven and eight, to score it, and it would have been beautiful, right? Yeah. Like, he does all the Wes Anderson movies. Uh, he was responsible for the Fantastic Mr. Fox theme, which everybody knows from TikTok. Um, and, no, I think about pieces of music, and I have ever since I saw Interstellar. I think about pieces of music from the Interstellar soundtrack every single day. Like, if there is any piece of of mu- movie soundtrack that I'll be sitting here at my computer doing something, and I'll be like, you know what? I want to listen to No Time for Caution from the Interstellar soundtrack right now. No I want to listen to S.T.A.Y. from the International Interstellar soundtrack right now. And I want to get really get into those organs that hurt me, <laughs> that make me sad. I love that. I'm like, so happy. Like that beautiful you have pieces this. of music that that I think stand outside the movie. Um, now I'm not trying to, to to crap on John Williams by any means. I think John Williams is brilliant. Um, I am sort of very tired of hearing his music at this point, though. Yeah, but like we're not gonna. It's not going away. No, um, it's not going away. But like there are some times where I'm like, John Williams, you really phoned that in. You took some. You 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 queued up a piece of Star Wars music and put it in this random movie you did in the '90s. Uh, I think but, that happened. I think a song from Attack of the Clones is in Harry Potter or something. There's some like weird. There's some weird like clear crossover. 
Um, anyway, um, Interstellar I, is like it. It's one of my all time favorites. It absolutely just like continues to make me think about it every day. I think it's a brilliant story. I know a lot of people have trouble with the uh, not trouble have have issues with the the story and the and the sort of time travel uh, delinearity of it. But um, it has never bothered me once ever. Uh, so this is a this is a hundred percenter for me for sure. I think it's the only Christopher Nolan movie that gets that title. Um, because it's the only one that I've been yet to be like annoyed by. Oh, I'm not annoyed by the prestige. When we did it, uh, we did it for the show. I did like three different rabbit viewings for new back when that was still a thing we could do. I did like three different rabbit viewings for new viewers of the, of the movie Interstellar and did like commentary for it over rabbit. So I watched it three nights in a row. And by the end of the third one, I was like, I could go again. We're good. Like <laughs> that might be when people are like, what would you watch for 24 hours straight? That's one of them. Really? Yeah. I think it's long as hell. That doesn't hurt. That's never hurt that conversation, right? There's only one wrong answer to that, and it's Toy Story. 90 minutes of Sid. I'd be like, stop. It just <laughs> happened. Uh, you my, are a toy. <laughs> my number three. Yeah. Uh, this. So I know we read a lot of books, Ethan. And Yo, frequently, and this is not based on a Well, it's kind of based on a book. Uh, frequently in our book conversations in our reading group, you will note that you like plot-driven stories over character-driven stories. And my third movie here is very much a character-driven story. Uh, it's, a, it's about a group of nobodies that come together to collect a mysterious power gem and keep it from a radical zealot. Uh, it's entirely driven by the characters. The plot is the most lackluster thing in the history of cinema. Uh, but it is actually... Interesting that because the characters are so well-developed and so interesting that it, it does have an extremely satisfying conclusion in third act. Uh, this film, do you know what it is, Ethan? Uh, yeah, it's Avengers Endgame. It is not Avengers Endgame. <laughs> it's Avengers Infinity War. It is not Avengers what Infinity War. What is it then? War. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, okay. Guardians of the Galaxy is the only major franchise film to make this list. I don't even know that it's my favorite Marvel movie, and I don't think I like it over some of the uh, Star Wars films. Um, but it only it makes this list because again, I was going back to like, on a sick day. What won't offend sure. me in the slightest? Sure. Um, um. And and it's not so insanely heavy as to be like like one I thought was going to make it was the Last Jedi, and I was very close to putting it, but I'm honestly tired of having that controversial star Wars opinion. I'd rather just like love the last Jedi and not have to think about it anymore. I don't need to like make that super public. Yeah, For Force awakens. Didn't make my list for the same reason. Yeah. Um, guardians. It's interesting though. I, th I truly think that that is one of the only Marvel movies that you could give it to. Like I think, I think James Gunn outside? has a masterpiece here. Yeah. yeah. Well, because it, it's one of the few, because it's an origin story, right? It's, so it's one of the few movies that even nothing for me qualify, right? Because it, it, I love Avengers Endgame, right? I, I I know that I'm not as as hot on it as like literally everybody else in the world is, because I don't say it's 100 percent or whatever. But like, I don't think you can ask somebody to watch 23 movies and then go, yeah, but this one, this is the good one, right? Like, I mean, they're all good to some extent, but like. Right. To be like, uh, no, you just got to wait for the, the even even if it's like, oh, the sixth one, the sixth one's great. You just got to get through five before you're like. Yeah, and a few of them are. Because like, like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one cannot be a 100 for that reason. Because right. Because it like asks you to watch two and four and, and movies that people hate, right? Right. Um, and I'll tell you this. 
when it comes to Avengers Endgame and The Force Awakens. Being an unparalleled theater experience, Avatar falls into this category, mm-hmm. does not make it a 100%er. No. No, because you can't ever replicate that, right? You can only remember it. Right. Like these have, was, these have to be the, movies that you can put on at home and be like, yes. Let's I do go. think I do think so I uh when we finish these points, I do want to take a short break before getting into yours to talk about some of the listener really yeah, me too. Um But Guardians of the Galaxy for me, it asks nothing of the viewer. It can be your first Marvel film. I honestly think it should be. I think Iron Man at this point is a little oddly enough dated. Uh it's like what thir- 14, 13, 14 years old. Uh Guardians, I think, is a little more timeless. Uh I don't know. It's it's genuinely funny. Like it is yeah. like laugh out loud funny. And Chris Pratt is fantastic. I think uh Batista is fam- fantastic. I don't know. I love all the characters so so very Absolutely. much. Um Yeah, I don't I don't really know that I need to say much to defend it, but No. It's it's a movie that gets better almost every time you watch it. Yeah. Because but like not for the same reasons that something like Interstellar would. It's not like, no. oh, I noticed this amazing artistic detail. It's just like, this joke is still funny, and that makes me so happy. Right, it's still fu- it, it, The thing is, it, it still makes me laugh, right? Yeah. Where, like, there, and, and some of them made, uh, some of mine made the list for that reason, is that, like, no matter how many times I see it, it still makes me laugh, right? I still... Because, yeah. like, we watched Talladega Nights for the show, and I was like, man, I used to love this movie. I know. I was I, you know? that one. I was upset about. <laughs> Remember that feeling? Yeah. Where you were like, "Oh man, I used to love this movie," and then it just it doesn't hit as hard as it used to. Man, it's sad. It's a sad day. I do want to speak of things not hitting as hard as they used to. Uh, I want to get into some of the listener sure. submissions. Yeah. Because we asked you on Facebook, which by the way, our Facebook group is free. We asked you on Discord. It's three dollars to join that. Uh, three dollars a month. Um. I want to read some of those, but one of the themes I saw in those, not entirely, there were some that actually surprised me from people who I expected to do uh, older films, but uh, one of the things that surprised me, or didn't surprise me, I expected this, was the amount of times people would say, I love this because it's so nostalgic. And I know that I, in the past, even on this show and definitely on Twitter, have gone on and been like, nostalgia is not a good enough reason to, to like something. And I think... I think I'm coming to terms with like, maybe I'm being too harsh on this concept. Uh, this is the modern definition of nostalgia, according to a National Geographic article about how nostalgia helped people through the pandemic. And listen to this, Ethan. Modern definition of nostalgia is a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past, typically for a period or place with happy personal associations. And I think that's a good definition. And I think yeah. like I, I think what the problem is is like when I think about my life and I think about my past, there is nary a time in my life where I'm like, I was happier then. And I think that's why I'm so like cold on nostalgia, because I'll be like, Oh, I loved that movie when I was, you know, in college or whatever. And then I'll think about who I was in college and be like, I mean, that guy sucked. Maybe I don't love that movie as much. Or maybe nostalgia's not a good enough reason because I'm pining for a time to be somebody I don't like. Uh, and I think that's an unfair projection on other people. And if you like a movie because it's nostalgic, I think that's okay. Uh, I have definitely previously been happier than I was now. Or I, I believe now. that. 
Um, so that's a little bit of a different conversation for me. Uh, but I don't think nostalgia, and I know I've said it before, and, and maybe this is not what I mean, but like, I don't think nostalgia is a bad reason to like something. I do think nostalgia is kind of a weird reason to hold something up high above everything else or to not let yourself enjoy a new thing. Because like I think that so many times is what people cling to when they say, uh, you know, I like this because of nostalgia. It's like you uh, they they don't. I think challenging yourself sometimes is a good thing. I don't think it's something you need to do every single day. I don't think it's something you need to do every time you watch a movie. But like I do overall wish people most people challenge themselves more with the content they take in. Um, well, and I think that's a I, I think that's fine. But I also think that's a little bit of a, a point of I don't want to say privilege, but privilege. We're like, this article specifically is about nostalgia during the pandemic. And it was, uh, this is a quote from Clay Rutledge from uh, North Dakota State University and author of Nostalgia, a psychological resource. Uh, He says, I believe many are turning to nostalgia, even if they do not consciously realize it, as a stabilizing force in a way to keep in mind what they cherish most. So I think one of the reasons it was so popular last year was like, it was just a pandemic. Well, yeah, literally last year was a every, I know, but like literally everything about the world was changing. And so everybody was turning to nostalgia, to nostalgic feelings. But then when I think about it, it's like, what is, what is so wrong about consuming media specifically to be comforting? I understand why you and I challenge ourselves, but like, what is wrong with turning to media to comfort yourself with familiar characters or familiar stories. Uh, cause you never hear new ideas ever. I, I, right. I'm saying, I think there needs to be a healthy balance, right? Yes. Uh, that's all I've ever said. Okay. About this is that like, be careful of your boxes to some extent, right? Like, yeah. like it's fine to, to love, uh, let's say finding Nemo, right? It's fine to love finding Nemo. It's fine to love finding Nemo because it's the movie you liked the most when you were five. I don't personally think it's fine to watch Finding Nemo every day, and that's your intake for the day. Now, if you need to watch Finding Nemo because you're going through something or you're sad or you're happy or whatever reason, sure, great. But like, if you are like, hmm, time for my daily Finding Nemo, like, because there's no, there isn't a healthy balance, and I think there there absolutely needs to, to be times where you, when you revisit the things you love, uh, as well, like I'm not saying one or the other, but like if you're not gonna bring anything new in your life ever, like you're just kind of missing the point. There's so much world out there. There is, uh, and you know I, I feel the same way to some extent about uh, people that take the same vacation every year, right? The people that see do the same things uh, week in, week out, day in, day out, year in, year out, and like I've never wanted to be the person that does that. I think. I think so that's you're right. maybe why I think, I find, I think these are, are fair points. Yeah. But I, I think uh I know for me personally, I've I've been harsh on like engaging with nostalgic content in general. And I, I think I've been pretty unfair with that. And maybe maybe I heard your point and was like and, and missed your point and just thought, yeah, engaging with content because it's comforting is stupid. You should try to get what? new I, things to comfort you. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this before you say anything. Yeah. Reading as many books as we have this year, because we've been reading a ton. I am absolutely getting to a point where I need to revisit comfort characters and I cannot continue to read new stories. Yeah. Like, and, and there are points where like, I need to read a, I need to reread a book I read earlier this year because I, I enjoyed it. Yes. I'm starting to get there as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
But yeah, and I definitely, I don't want to say that I haven't been a dick about nostalgic movies in the past. Like, I definitely have. I understand that. I have grown. Yeah. Um, I learned that. I just, it's it's always been so. <laughs> we say with this list of movies that are. That, yeah, I think the most recent movie on my old. list was, 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 yeah, 2014. Um, yeah. <laughs> So it's not like we're not being nostalgic. Yeah, we've listed so thing. far three movies that came out in 2014, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's like it's complicated, right? Because I, I've always sort of seen people that only watch for nostalgia as like a threat. Because sometimes there's awkward conversations to be had where like I am not nostalgic for the same things they are. Yes, and oh, that is I always a challenging com- conversation for people that base their whole thing on still watching the same things they watched when they were 10. Yeah, I, I like if your whole shtick is we'll go back to the Finding Nemo example. And it's like, man, I, I love Finding Nemo. I think it's great. I have what I consider to be yeah. nuanced opinions about the the value of the film. Sure. I would love to chat with you about it. But if your thing about it is like, I just like to embrace these warm characters that make me feel something special. Right. Then like we're already having a different conversation about Finding Nemo. And that's the thing is like if the first the first the best thing you have to say about it is, oh, I liked it when I was 10. Then uh, that's fine. That's fine. But maybe occasionally take a look at, at what it is you like about it. Yeah. Because like. Because that will help you. Th- this is why that's important. That will help you find more things th- like More it. things like that. And with Finding Nemo is an easy example there, right? Because it's Pixar, right? They're all. They're mostly. They're mostly. Like Extremely good. Safely in the same vein. Yeah. Uh, I think they've started to get into some stuff recently where like if you watch Finding Nemo every day because you watched it when you were 10 and it's comfortable for you and you go watch Soul, you're going to be like, ah, I am, I am sadness. <laughs> I am sadness. Cool. Let's talk about some people's uh, opinions there. Yeah. After we just crapped on people's opinions. Let's talk about what read, uh, people Read say. me some from the Facebook group. Um, uh, We got a bunch of people that said Shawshank Redemption. Uh, We already think. Uh, perfect. I, perfect hundred. No, no debate there. Well, I didn't put it on my list. No, me neither. But I. Yeah. I mean, I think I don't, I don't think, think I, I don't come think for it, you. I actually don't think it's a perfect hundred. I think it is. It is something that you can't put on the hundred list um, because there are so many people that that like literally cannot watch it because of certain scenes in it um, that it like it is a movie I can't wholeheartedly recommend people watch. Right. Like I have to put a certain warning on it to be like, hey, there is a scene in here that is going to hurt a lot of people. I don't know, man. I like whiplash. That's fair. That's fair. I you know, I, I do as well. Um Shawshank Redemption doesn't make my list for that reason, is is the fact that, like, I cannot Shawshank. share that movie with some of my best friends. Shawshank doesn't make it for me. I mean, obviously, I would want to share it with everybody. Uh, but the reason it didn't make it on my list is, like, yes, I understand that if I sit down and put this on, I will enjoy it immensely. There's a barrier on that one, though. But, like, I have to sit down and put this on. Mm-hmm. And it's it's heavy. It's excellent. It will not just happen to me. Right. I, I would put down, like when I'm in for the mood for that kind of film, more often than not, I'm putting on Forrest Gump. You hurt my brain there. Those Why are do not you say that? even like those are not the same thing. No, I think they kind of are. I, I don't mean, think they are. I, 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 Forrest I think Gump's they're a hoot and holler in good time. Yeah, but they're epics. They're they're Forrest Gump is not an epic. I think it is. Uh, yeah, Forrest Gump's definitely. Forrest Gump, you could definitely have on your list. That's totally fine. All of yeah. me, all of these are valid opinions. Right? I'm not going to take these away from anybody. Um, yeah. What else? What else you got? Uh, Ruth McIntosh says the Prince of Egypt was the first movie I ever saw in theaters, uh, and I don't know that I've consciously seen it since 1999. So maybe 2002. So I can't speak to it at all. I remember it being good. I think it's got like Kevin Klein in it. Maybe Val Kilmer. Those are good people to act in a Wait movie. A this is a live action film? No, it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a, an animated. animated film. Yeah. You know what I always think when I think of Prince of Egypt, and I'm pretty sure they're completely different. But do you remember the Rugrats Hanukkah special? 
Yes. That's what I think of when I think of Prince of Egypt. Well, Are those I, roughly the same story? I've never yeah. seen Prince of Egypt, I mean, so, so I don't so, know. Yes, the Prince of Egypt is about Moses. Okay. I so know. yes, they are they are roughly the same story. They okay. are taken from the same book. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Any of the same casting? Is Tara Strong in Prince of Egypt? I don't know. I have no Maybe. idea. <laughs> it was uh, the late 90s. She was quite active at the time. That's the thing is they came, they would have came out pretty close to, to each other. They um, probably one was a reaction to the other. Probably, mm. honestly. Uh, yeah. It's got Jeff Goldblum. Um, oh. Got uh, Voldemort playing Ramses like the Pharaoh. Ray Fiennes. Uh, yeah. It's got Michelle Pfeiffer and Sandra Bullock and Steve Martin. Uh, it does Ooh, not look Steve like it Martin. has Tara Strong in it. Well, see, can't be the same movie. Can't be the same you, movie. You got another one for me? Uh, I do. Uh, Riley, uh, Riley with the, Riley J. I uh, don't know how to pronounce your last name, Riley. So I think it's Joseph. I think it's Josek. 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 Yosek. Yosek. <gasps> Maybe it's Yosek. Riley Yosek uh, says, uh, "Remember the Titans, Star Wars: A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Goodwill Hunting, Jaws, Knives Out, and Forrest Gump." Um, those are all excellent. Those those are all honorable mentions. For those me. are all yeah. Uh, remember the Titans did not make my list. I will tell you that ahead of time. Not um, mine either. Goodwill Hunting is what I very much thought about, but Goodwill Hunting is what I cannot watch all the time because it breaks me. Um, I don't think I've seen it all the way through. Oh, maybe that's next week's movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's I, a good one. From what I've seen, it's utterly fantastic. So I. Not um, upset about. I mean, it. obviously, uh, A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back suck. Terrible movies. Nobody <laughs> likes them. Everybody hates them. Three uh, PO. <laughs> Jaws. I Jaws isn't a one hundred for me, but I think it's like a one hundred uh, objectively. If that makes any sense. The original blockbuster. Jaws yeah. did not make my list, but I love. I Jaws. love Jaws. Um, Jaws is one that I can watch any minute of, and it's like I could put on Jaws an hour and in with commercials and just watch it through the rest of the way through with commercials yeah. happily. Um, great. I do movie. want the dolly shot. I, I, I would prefer to start one. it before yeah, the dolly shot. Prefer to start before the dolly shot. I love the intro. Like Jaws is a great first act, right? It's a great second act. And it's a great third act. They're almost different movies. All three of them. Yeah, because you have you have a, a movie about a town that is get shark attacks, right? And then you got a movie about science versus um, mysticism, right? And then you got a movie about shark hunting. Yeah. <laughs> those are three different movies. At some point during the movie, we leave the town and never go back to it. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Jaws is great, man. Jaws is a great one. If you've never watched Jaws, uh, go watch it. Um, you know, I've got an honorable mention real quick. I've seen it a few times in the comments. Yeah. Uh, didn't make my list, but uh, Fellowship of the Ring. Fellowship of the Ring is, uh, is my third favorite Lord of the Rings movie. So it definitely didn't make my list. <laughs> it is. I think it's my favorite. It is. The reason I didn't make my list is because I think it's my favorite because as a child, it was all about everything post Council of Elrond. As a kid. I only care about everything pre Council of Elrond. I, I would, just want to live read a whole, in Hobbiton. Yeah, I would read a whole book about Frodo Baggins having a very nice day. <laughs> yeah, like, right. Like I love the comfort that comes from that. I love the the sets. I love the music. I love everything about that first part. Mm. Uh, where where it kind of loses steam for me is when like Liv Tyler shows up and she does the horse thing. That's not that I don't like it, but it's just like I uh, well now we're into the action part, and I liked the not so action I like part. the not so action part <laughs> the adventure the not adventure. even the adventure the the pre-adventure I like I don't have oh I was gonna lie I almost told you I didn't have a certain actor on my list but I do what I so I was gonna say 
I was thinking, so we were talking about the Lord of the Rings, right? And then I was talking about the Hobbit. And then I was thinking about, well, Martin Freeman is fantastic in the Hobbit movies, even if people don't love those. Uh, but he, those obviously wouldn't make my list. But I need to have a Martin Freeman movie on my list. And I, I was going to say I don't have one, but I do. You have a Martin Freeman movie on this list? I don't know that I would call it a Martin Freeman movie, but he is in one of the movies on my list. I'm just like, Black Panther? No. Because <laughs> you said you didn't have another Marvel movie. I don't. Is one of yours, uh, BBC Sherlock, season one, episode one, A Study in Pink, <laughs> is that one of your, your top ten movies? No, I think that's such a fantastic mystery, though. It's a fantastic movie. It's an hour and a half long. It's longer than Toy Story. It's a great <laughs> Study movie. Study in Scarlet. Uh, all right, who's next? Are you next or am I next? Uh, I think I'm next. I've done three. How many have you done? I've done two. Okay, then you're next. Uh, a description for this one. Um, how, how can I put this? Uh, God destroys dinosaurs. God creates man. Man creates dinosaurs. Man destroys God. Oh, my God. This is so Park. nearly on Jurassic my list Park. if I thought of it. Uh, Jurassic Park. This is one of the ones that comes. People, people are like, what's your favorite movie? My gut reaction is to go, yeah, it's Jurassic Park. Um, I hold myself back for saying that because I don't like answering that question at all. Uh, any more than I like answering what's my Hogwarts house or what side am I? Because it gives people permission to like judge me, right? Based on what's one thing they know about me. Uh, but I I adore this movie. This has been one of my favorite movies ever since I first saw it. Um, it is like uh, just it's I mean it's Jurassic Park, man. It's a fantastic movie. It has aged extremely well to the point where like every time I watch it, I'm still like, those are dudes in rubber suits. This is incredible. How are those dudes it's in rubber amazing. suits? Right. So good. Uh, it has been it has been outdone. It has outdone so many huge blockbuster movies. This is the only thing I said that was kind of a franchise movie because like it is, but like it doesn't need to be. Right. <laughs> like you can but, easily I mean, on, just take on it as, as a part of thing. It yeah, but also there's gonna be like a dinosaurs and furious movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jurassic Park versus Godzilla versus Kong <laughs> versus. Person a Ford F one fifty Raptor. Yeah. You know what defeats dinosaurs? Family. <laughs> uh, no, I mean it's Jurassic Park, man. What what do I gotta say about this one? Everybody's seen this movie. Uh, this is this is a blockbuster of all blockbusters. One of them. It's it's a great movie. Uh, I love it dearly. This is uh, John Williams' score, uh, where a lot of the movie is just. Uh, leftover Star Wars nonsense, except for the themes, like when the the jeeps are driving through the the campus. Back when all the action's first starting, it's just literally like Tie Fighter music playing. <laughs> uh, it's great, man. It's great. Everything about it. I mean, Sam Neill crushes this one. Um, it's Steven Spielberg, man. It's what? What do you need? It's Jurassic Park. I don't feel like I have to defend this one, honestly. It's no, a one, I'm not gonna a one hundo. One hundo. I, I think Jurassic Park is a perfectly fine hundo. Uh, I didn't put it on my list because, again, I didn't think of it. But yeah. this is something there I there are also... so many movies that I have, have thought about since making the list that I'm like, mm, that would have been mm, that could have been. Yeah. OK. Jurassic Park is one for me. I I love the whole thing. I think it's another one with great characters, great story, great effects. I mean, everything just holds up over time. It's quite a package for sure. Um, you know what it made me think of right now is in Avatar when they call the the mineral that they're mining unobtainium. Unobtainium. And, and how, like, certainly they were like, just write down something. We'll come up with a name for it later. And then, and they, then, then it went to they're just like, yeah. Right. They're, they're, we guess we never fixed that. You got Chief Adi Rivasi being like, we're mining unobtainium here. Right. <laughs> Why am I in this movie? It's space. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm one of the all-time great character actors. You're not using me the way you should be. <laughs> Are you ready for my next one? Yes, I am. Uh, this is, I have a, a little, uh, here in the middle, I've got some Christmas films. I did not put any Christmas films on here. I think Christmas movies are so important because for at least one month out of the year, you're likely to put on one or two of your favorites. Yeah. Uh, and a few of your not so favorites. But I could, I could make a list of hundreds just Christmas movie edition because like my favorite Christmas movie is usually the Christmas movie I'm watching yeah. at the moment. I do, f- I do find like... Even even the Santa Claus is like mm. when I'm watching it, I'm like, mm, Christmas. We watched that and I was like, this movie sucks. This movie sucks. This movie sucks. I hate this. Why is he, you know, this is all about divorce. This, this <laughs> sucks. <laughs> this is super sad. Anyway, uh, first one on my Christmas list uh, is about a man who dreams of seeing the world. Uh, and, and through sort of some unusual circumstances, he learns of the immense impact he's had in his own backyard and the and the fulfilling life that he has had. Uh, and that's it's a wonderful life. Oh man, I thought it was Elf. <laughs> no, is that the plot of Elf? Uh, I feel like I feel like that's the actually, opposite yeah, of the plot not of no. Elf. <laughs> not no. In Elf, it's a man dreams of seeing the world and does and makes <laughs> and sees the world and makes a huge impact, saves Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I, I think it's a wonderful. So this is, I guess the second one that I watched for the first time for the show. Uh, I was floored by this. I, I thought it was absolutely incredible. Uh, I did watch it in color because I'm a criminal, an absolute uh, criminal. I, I just, uh, you should colorize every movie you can. I don't understand why you would not. Uh, I, I loved this. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I think about it all the time. I think about the story. I think about this actually edges out back to the future for me. I feel a lot of similar beats between those two films. Yeah. Um, and this edges it out of my like sort of hundred echelon, because I think this does a lot of what that does better. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously a hundred for me as well. I didn't put it on the list just because again, I didn't, I didn't put, I specifically didn't put Christmas. Um, but obviously I gave it a hundred on the show. Like it's one of the all time greats. It's definitely in my top five comfortably like i could say that like the other four movies are up for debate at any given time but this has like been a considered consistent like i will put it on any day of the year i don't but i would like if you were right now we're like let's watch it's a wonderful life i'd be like yeah obviously let's do it yeah <laughs> merry christmas you old building and loan it makes me I, I, it makes me cry but like a happy cry and also a sad cry and then a happy cry again and like a very happy cry yeah it's just so wholesome it's just so good I'm sure that there's some like one sentence critique that would make the entire movie fall apart and make it canceled and hateable. Yeah, I mean, they have but yet to I, really do that, though. And they've been going for it for years. Yeah, I just it's still just so fantastic. Right? Like they've been coming after it for years. And maybe one day they'll they'll unearth some horrible Chicago Tribune review that makes Paddington 2 the greatest Christmas movie ever. <laughs> you know, uh, no, Citizen right. Kane did not make the list for me. Citizen Kane didn't make it no. for me either, nor did Mank. Well, you haven't seen Citizen Kane, so I'd be shocked right. if it's made the list for you. Uh, uh, but that's that's all I got to say about that one. I, I really don't have much more. Ooh, I'm blown out again. Merry uh, Christmas. Yeah, that's that's an easy one, man. That's a not that, that you did that for. If like, you, if you haven't seen It's a Wonderful Life, uh, which I hadn't, so I don't think that's unusual. If you haven't, it's it's an absolutely fantastic film. It is older, but uh, you you settle into it pretty quick. The writing is pretty timeless. Um, I think if there was like a, a problematic thing. It gets a little weird when he's in high school. There's some like uh, courting traditions that are maybe a little yeah, dated, a little bit dated. But out outside of that, without well, a little bit dated, they're 100 percent dated. Yeah. Well, uh, I- <laughs> but out, outside of that, 
And knowing that going into it, I think it was um, 1940 writing about 1917. So right. Like there's a, there's a gap there, believe it or not. Yeah. And also it's been 70 years. So it's, it's utterly fantastic. I I, I highly recommend it if you have not seen it. Uh, My next movie is, is we're going to have to start rolling through some of these because we are uh, deep into time. I see that. Uh, Which is fine. I just thought that that was going to be a problem we had was that we couldn't talk enough about them. Um, But uh, my next movie is about a a group of people, a bunch of people that band together to decide the fate of one person. Uh, A real life hangs in the balance type movie. Shows us the best and worst of humanity all in the same spot. Uh, mine is 12 Angry Men. Ooh, I thought it was going to be Ocean's 8. No. Uh, <laughs> None of those made Ocean's my list. 11. Uh, mine either. I was surprised that Ocean's 11 didn't make my list. No. Uh, 12 think- Angry Men, I've, I've never seen. So sell me more on 12 Angry Men because I this is, this is uh, one I it- hear a lot. Just from a pure filmmaking perspective, um, it is crazy what they were able to accomplish with a movie that takes place entirely in one room with like how much good cinematography you can get, how many great shots, how many beautiful, even for a movie so old, how much beautiful filmmaking you can get and really impactful filmmaking you can get in a movie that takes place in one room, right? Like this is obviously not a new concept uh, to make a movie like this, but it is, you know, it takes place in a jury room and it's about 12 people. Uh, Initially, the plot is that, that, uh, one person uh, just wants to hear out the fate of right. They wants to have a conversation about it. Everybody goes in thinking that this person is guilty for the thing they did. And it's, there's various reasons uh, he is, you know, a person of color and, and all kinds of other things uh, up against him. Um, but it, like somebody goes in and says, Hey, I want to hear us out. I want to hear the whole story out. Let's talk about it. And the other 11 people are like, no, he's guilty. Like we know he did it. And you just get to watch 11 people basically learn to love in the course of this movie, learn to not even to love necessarily, but learn to be human in the course of this movie, just through this simple act of like, cause most of the time they don't even spend talking about the case that they're in they're, they're, It's about jurors, right? a jury trial. Uh, most of the time they don't even spend talking about the case. They talk about baseball and you know their their dislike for hispanic people and just the, the things that make them horrible people uh, and 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 they really rectify some things out between each other i just think it's a beautiful piece of writing it is definitely a um a character driven movie uh you you really have 11 or 12 people that whose job is to all basically be one dimensional and learn to not be one dimensional throughout the whole course of it um but it's just a master class in in writing in in cinematography in in pacing in everything it's a beautiful movie uh, definitely worth watching and just to see what they do with it well that is one that has been on my list for a while and i i don't think anybody's ever explained the premise to me before i'm not a huge courtroom drama person uh but this doesn't sound like it is it is not that, you. Although, although I say that, and then and then I see movies like Legally Blonde, which is a courtroom drama to a certain extent, and I'm like, man, this is amazing. Yeah. And I see movies like uh, Trial of Chicago Seven, and I'm like, I yeah, absolutely. <laughs> courtroom love drama this. is one of the best. Uh, I think one of the best genres of movie because it allows for so much of the, um, the flashback, the different ideas being presented. Uh, but this isn't a courtroom drama movie. It is literally like you spend. 30 seconds in the courtroom at the beginning of the movie. And then you're in the jury room with these 12 people, the whole movie. And it's, it's been, uh, obviously I think they will remake it before too long with a, uh, a mixed cast. Now that uh, men and women and people of color can be on juries. Um, and it's been, it's, it, you know, it was a play that we read in high school and it's been it mounted in all over the place in different iterations, you know, all women, all men all black people all gay people everything like uh it, it, it's one that gets a lot of love throughout the theater community because it is such a good piece of writing that you know it holds up 
It yeah. very much holds up. It's definitely one you should work that's worth watching. It's something we should probably cover, honestly. I'm totally down to. You know, you, but it was a movie I didn't even think about before today. It just like it came to me. Um and I definitely did do a little bit of Googling, like, you know, Google.com. Um, what movies exist? Oh, yeah. You know, going into this, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a movie. I've never seen a movie, uh, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be a tough conversation because I've never That's seen a movie. That's one that came to me pretty early. Uh, I'm ready for my next one. Go if you for are. it. Uh, this next one is, I think, traditionally my all time favorite Christmas movie. Which is weird to say traditionally since we just talked about like the traditional Christmas movie. Uh, this is a story of a dozen or so folks in the weeks leading up to Christmas and the love that surrounds us all. And there's a few glaring problems that may leave it aging a little bit poorly, but it is a story of a whole bunch of different lives. It's sort of set up its own genre that people have been trying to imitate for years now with different stories. And almost uh, no degrees of success. Almost no degrees. Not, not like this. Um, and this one always warms my heart every time I see it. And it's love, actually. Um, this is my Martin Freeman movie, by the way. Yes, I should have. That should have clicked to me. But I was yeah. I was so like, I'm not going to do Christmas that I was like, oh, Tyler's also not going to do Christmas. This is my Martin Freeman movie. This is also uh, one of two rom-coms okay. that made my list. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, love, actually... If you've never seen it before, you've probably seen something similar to it, but it's basically they, they take the perspective of, I think it's like six pairs of people. Yeah, is what something it is. like that. Uh, and they eight. give you, yeah, and they give you basically like a novella or a, a short film about each one of them. And then by the end of the film, you, you see how they're all sort of interconnected. But what's so great about it is like, it's not abundantly obvious your first time around exactly what all the relationships are by the end of it so it has a lot of rewatchability it is funny it is witty it has bill nye which is like one of my all-time favorite actors i mean yeah the cast is enough alone right it's, the cast is fantastic Bill nye it's alan rickman it's martin freeman it's emma thompson, emma thompson it's and, and colin firth it's yeah january jones from mad men right and and yeah. uh you know andrew lincoln from the walking dead and I think I think the only complaint I regularly see about it, and it wasn't something that ever registered for me as a complaint, is uh, Emma Thompson's story, uh, or Alan Rickman's story rather. Uh, but I don't know. I, something about it. I just oddly enough, we watched it with the fraternity before I was even a brother, which is like that gives you an idea of the kind of fraternity we were. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's got such a warm place in my heart. It makes me think of Paul Keene of all people, who was like somebody who I think of with like mythic reverence. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. it is I really what I make it. sure to watch every year, every single I, year that I, I, yeah, I got it. Like, and if I get to three days past Christmas and I'm like, I haven't seen it yet. I then have it, to watch it. It goes it. on, right? Like it, it goes on the television that night. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, you got that. You got that buffer week where you're allowed to, to I watch remember anything. One time where you and me and, uh, Caitlin and Frank tomorrow got a box of Franzia and watched love actually at the apartment. <laughs> I, I honestly, I mean, we should do that every year. Yeah, we you should know? do that like, every week. <laughs> We'd be worse people. We'd be worse people than we are. We would be dead. That's an example of nostalgia not going well. But that's a core memory, right? Like, right. Uh, no, I love that movie. Um, Fantastic. Easy hundred for me. Easy. Yeah. Easy. Easy. Uh, my next one is about a man 
and a boat and a mission that he goes on to uh, protect his boat against all odds. Uh, I don't really know how to describe this. It's the hunt for Red October. Oh, I thought it was going to be the old man in the sea. It's going to be the, old, the, the, the Ernest Hemingway novel is one of my favorites. <laughs> it's almost like a novella. It's like 112 pages. No, it's, it's the Hunt for Red October with Sean Connery. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about what's my favorite war movie since we talked about that conversation uh, that, that Riley Josick, Josick, Riley Josick brought up. Josick. Riley, Riley Josick brought up. And uh, that's my favorite war movie ever. Uh, that movie absolutely slaps. Uh, Sean Connery plays a Soviet sub-captain who decides he wants to become American because he's really tired of the Soviet Union. And he steals an entire brand new nuclear warhead carrying submarine and sails it to America. And neither the Soviets nor the Americans particularly want him to do it. Uh, it is... A uh, fantastic movie. It's tense. It's great. It was a Tom Clancy novel. Uh, it's very uh, fun. It's got like spy type vibes, but also like action movie type vibes. It's also a little bit funny. Um, and it's just, it's really well shot. It's really well acted. It's definitely my favorite Alec Baldwin movie. Uh, yeah, definitely my favorite Alec Baldwin movie. Credit to Beetlejuice, though. That's a really good one as well that Alec Baldwin's in. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Glenn Gary, uh, Glenn Ross is a good one, but really just that, that scene where he does just the that speech in the middle. Scene. Yeah. These uh, leads, these, the Glenn Gary leads. <laughs> First place, new car. Second place, set of steak knives. Third place, First you're fired. First place is a Cadillac Eldorado. <laughs> the second place, a set of steak knives. Third place, you're fired. <laughs> I'm from downtown. I'm from Mission Murray. What is your favorite sales movie? I th it's I've never seen Glenn Gary Glenn Ross all the way through, so it can't be that. It's not that. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be Wolf of it's Wall, Wolf Street, Street. Right? Wall Street. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's not. It's not Boiler Room. Like. Yeah. Um, sales movie. Sales movie. Sales movie. What's your, hold on? This is one real quick uh, to to cut it in. What is your favorite like unapologetically can be as problematic as you want it to be guy movie? Woo. Um. I'll tell you what first came to my mind. I, I, I don't think this is my answer, but this is what first came to my mind. You ready? Yeah. Casino Royale. Yeah, I might agree with you there, honestly. Any any like of the, the, the new yeah. The new Daniel Craig one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, not the David Niven one. No. Yeah, Casino Royale uh, might be that. Um, uh, Fight Club's up there, honestly. Fight Club, so good. Yeah, unapologetic so good. guy movies, like movies that girls don't like. Type <laughs> for movies. good reason. For good reason, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, Ocean's Eleven, honestly. Yeah. Although we get a lot, I, I think it's it's sort of just Mary Clay that we can push back from on that one. <laughs> yeah, that one slice. Most people I know are like, yeah, this movie slice. <laughs> Uh, all right, I've got my next one. If you don't have any more comments on Hunt for Red October, no, I, just watch I don't, it. Just watch it. I don't, I, yeah, I don't know what to ask, but I do want to see. I it. I want to cover it for sure. That was one I thought I forgot about until today. And I was thinking about like, I gotta put a war movie on here. I felt like I had to. Right, there has to be one. I was like, there has to be one I would give a hundred to, and I found it. So it's a Cold War movie, so it sort of counts. I, I have a story about my next one. Okay, so. When I was first in professional sales, uh, which is what I do for by trade. Sure. Uh, for those who don't know. I know you know that. <laughs> it's Glenn Gary, in, Glenn Ross. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. No, when I was first in professional sales by trade, I uh, I was picking up a client and I got in the car with him and we got talking about audiobooks because he was like, oh yeah, man, I read a lot of books. And he was a, like a business client, like a, like a real 
Joe Rogan, Gary Vaynerchuk, sure. hustler. Guy that I hate. Yeah. And we were talking about audiobooks, and he's like, yeah, I just slammed through some audiobooks. And I was like, oh my gosh, me too. I've been reading this new book, some, well, not new book, but this new to me book that's, I've really been enjoying it. And I think it's fantastic. And he was like, yeah, what have you been reading? And I was like, oh, I've been reading Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. Uh, it's a classic, but I'd never read it. And he was like, oh, you talking about like fiction books? Yeah, I, read, I hate sales guys, man. Y'all are the worst. I read self-improvement. And and in that moment, I was like, I will ne- like, I read self-improvement and sales books all the time because it's my profession. But I also like make it a point that if I'm traveling, especially for work, I will not listen to those books in the car. I will not listen to them on the airplane. I will listen to fiction and I will listen to fun fiction. I will listen to books like Treasure Island. But anyway, Treasure Island uh, is the sort is is a large part of the source material for my next film, uh, which is. Uh, uh, an unparalleled achievement in physical comedy, a compelling plot, a satisfying turns and twists led by excellent characters with ambiguity as to who are the real good guys and bad guys. And I just, I, I absolutely love it. It's been a romp for so many years. I think it came out when I was like fifth grade, uh, but it's Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Yep. Okay. Fair. Valid. I love it. Valid. I cannot get over it. Um, I think there's a few movies on this list where... Uh, this is a guy thing, right? I'll call that a major but franchise, like, though. I would. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think I forgot that when I said that I didn't yeah, have any I would call it franchise. a major franchise. Yeah. Uh, but like, but also, like, Kira Knightley was one of my first crushes after Sloan from Ferris Bueller. Uh, so that was big. I think Natalie Portman was probably in there. Uh, I don't know if that means I have a type. But <laughs> I think Star Wars <laughs> The Phantom Menace would insist that you have a type, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I don't know. I just, I love Pirates of the Caribbean. I think it's a fantastic movie. I, it holds up to this day. It still makes me laugh. Um, great sick day film. And also looking forward to sharing it with my kids. Uh, yeah, I love that one. Uh, my next movie is sort of a sales movie, actually sort of a little Ooh, bit, boiler, not really. Boiler it's room. not boiler room. <laughs> um, it is season one of white gold on, from the season, BBC. It's not, it's not. That. <laughs> uh, it is. See, this movie is about a used car salesman who uh, hires somebody to kidnap his family. Uh, and it doesn't go well for him or for them or for anybody involved, really. Uh, this is Fargo by Jelanita Cohen. Oh. Uh, this is one of the funniest movies that's ever been made. Uh, but it's not like Talladega Nights type funny. It's like, ah, should I be laughing at this? I don't know. Question mark. Um, I love this movie. This is one of the best scripts that they've ever made into movies, for sure. Like, this is a, a movie my mom showed me when I was probably too young to watch it that has stuck with me ever since then. And it's one of those movies where, like, anytime somebody is like, oh, I haven't seen this, I'm like, you gotta watch it. It's so good. It's so funny. These are the Hail Caesar guys uh, oh, themselves. Okay. So it's that kind of movie, but it's about Minnesota. Yeah. I've never seen Fargo. Was there another movie or a TV show named Fargo There's or something? There's a TV show named Fargo that is the same story. The same, oh, so it is the same thing. Yes, it is the same thing made into TV show form. Okay. I've never seen Fargo. Oh, it's, it's, it's dude, another one that so every, good. every single so, one of yours that I haven't seen has been on my list forever. So funny. This is the one that has egregious violence. Ah. Not, not violence in like you know, like a war movie type way, but like people do die. They do get killed and in fairly what we would traditionally call abnormally violent ways. Ah, um, there's, there's a person in the movie that gets, uh, 
stuck into a large piece of uh, industrial shredding equipment. Ah, uh, gross. And the whole thing takes place in the snow, so you can see how well that goes already. Yikes. So that is, Tarantino does not make my list because of the, the blood and gore, but this one somehow does because it, it maintains its tongue and cheekiness a little bit better than any Tarantino movies ever been able to. Mm. It's not like celebrated. It's like, oh, wow. wow oh, wow. OK, got guys. That was a scene. Y'all, we can't do that to people. Like This is not how you treat another human being. <laughs> you know, it's not well, it's I also not Kingsman where Barack Obama's head explodes in a firework of orange and blue <laughs> smoke. To Casey and the Sunshine Band. Yeah, uh, it's not that. Kingsman didn't make my list, but that would make my list of like unashamedly guy movies that I love. Yes, absolutely. This Fargo, this that is a must see for everybody. That is a quintessential. It's canon, right? It's a quintessential film. <laughs> and Ethan's uh, will yeah. when when I eventually <laughs> become a multi billionaire and leave control of my company not to my descendants but to the internet. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, okay. My next one is my all-time favorite rom-com. It is probably also my favorite time travel movie. Uh, and it is a story about uh, a young man who learns that even if he could travel back in time whenever he wanted to, whenever he wanted, uh, it's much more valuable to build, build a life you wouldn't want to leave. Uh, and this is another one with the crush with Rachel McAdams. I think I do have a type. Uh, I mean, we've all been there for Rachel McAdams, though. <laughs> I don't care who you are, gay, straight, male, female. We all have seen Rachel McAdams and at some it, point and been like, now that is a woman. That, that is a beautiful woman. <laughs> Everybody. Uh, Everybody I know a, has had a crush on Rachel McAdams. Everybody. This is my second film on the list with Bill Nye. Is It's about time. Yeah, this is a good one. Um, this is definitely not a I, for me, but this is a good one. This is one that I think about literally every single day the way that it talks about parenting is like uh, constantly thinking about it uh, the way that he handles the birth of his children and, and how that changes the way that he views his life is so quintessential to who i am as a person like i couldn't imagine thinking a different way about it and i that may be bad he may be flawed in some way but i just i don't think I he is I th and i think that's why that movie doesn't resonate for me the way it resonates for you is because we have very because you are not a parent <laughs> well i'm not a parent and also like boy what would i give for the opportunity he's giving up by having kids yeah you know like so i think that i, I it is not a movie that works for me at this time in my life because i look at him and i'm like you're an idiot i wouldn't trade my kids for anything yeah well uh luckily nobody's to this point made you pick it's true uh, so no, uh, I, that, that's definitely a movie that I think will come to me uh, later in my story. I yeah, More it's absolutely. It right if you now. if you if you listen or have not seen it, it's a wonderful love story. It's fantastic in just so many ways, and it's clever. It from what I can tell, it doesn't break its own rules. No, it's a pretty damn it's good time travel movie. Honestly, uh, great yeah. great premise, good execution. I'm good. Yeah. I, I love a good premise, right? I love yeah. more than anything else. I think I love a good premise. I've been, I've been seeing on book talk a lot recently that the uh, original novel of time travelers wife is apparently fantastic. I believe it. Uh, that's, so I'm curious. That's what I've discovered about me in books is that I'll read anything. If you can give me a good sentence on premise, I'll read anything. Oh yeah. Uh, and if you can tell me it's 12 hours or less. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Um, that doesn't mean I won't read your longer books, but it's going to take more some, than the premise. some more listener reviews here, real quick. Yeah, yeah let's do uh, that. Dan Sherlock uh, lists Captain Fantastic, Goodwill Hunting, Two Towers, and Interstellar. Uh, good job on Interstellar. I don't know what Captain Fantastic is. I don't either. Off the top of my head. Hang on. Captain Fantastic 2016. Vigo Mortensen. Uh, oh, so I think I've heard of this. He's a, he's, he's, he's a, uh, is this the one where he plays like a foster father of some he sort? He looks like it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to send you a screenshot here that would me, makes me think that we need to watch this movie. Uh, uh, Vigo doesn't do a lot of stuff. So I remember seeing a review for this and being like, oh, maybe I'll check that out. Um, hang on. Let me put it, drop it. In this. If he does do a lot of stuff and you're like Tyler, he's in six movies a year. It's not stuff that comes on my radar very often. He's yeah, it's I don't think he does um do much. I know he did Hidalgo and Green Book and Lord of the Rings. Well, I mean And Captain Fantastic. You know what? Just just go, I'm having trouble with the zoom here. Um but it, it it's a picture of what looks like Vigo Mortensen dressed in an Austin Powers red suit, uh, with his I guess foster children, one of whom is wearing a, a onesie and a gas mask. The other one is dressed as what looks like an octopus, and they're in a wedding chapel. Yes, I've seen. Yeah, uh, I think that is this one. Yeah, uh, yeah. We might need to watch this movie because I don't know what this is, but it, that that screenshot. I'm not going to read anything about it. Actually, that screenshot sells me on watching this movie 100. percent I believe I believe it's a shark costume. Is it a shark costume? Okay. Uh, anyway, Goodwill Hunter. We've covered two towers. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the. The choice for me as far as one of them, I don't know that I give any of them 100, but that's fine. Interstellar obviously sucks. Everybody hates it. Um, <laughs> uh, Claire lists the first Narnia movie, Singing in the Rain and Dead Poet Society. Singing in the Rain is not one I thought of, but wish I had. That is a fantastic movie that I love with my whole heart. You, you um, know which one we keep coming back to as a 100 for people is the first Narnia movie? Yeah, I could not agree less. <laughs> I did that's not one that enjoy I, I, it that I, much. I, truthfully wish was a hundred percenter for me because it seems so cozy and comforting, but yeah, it just doesn't like, I just don't feel like that about really anything. Honestly, I don't have that gene that you do, but like I see other people being like, this is a hundred for me. And I go, I wish I felt the same way. I just don't, (laughs) I have enough things, right? Like I've done enough stuff that like, I'm not really, when it comes to content, you, you I don't, don't feel like think I'm, you could be more comfortable. <laughs> I definitely think I could be more comfortable. I definitely think I could see more movies, but I don't feel like I'm looking for anything, right? Like I'm not. I don't feel like I'm desperately seeking a movie that I haven't seen yet. If that makes sense. Well, you have seen this one. Yes, but like, I don't know, and I, I guess I am because previously I would have said that n- that no movie ever so far that I've seen has gotten a, a ten out of ten. And sometimes I still feel that way. It's like one day I'll see the ten and I'll know it. But the older I get, the more I think that like, no, I just have have that white whale out there for no reason. Uh, which is why yeah, I want to do this exercise actually to force myself to list ten movies and say that they're hundred percenters. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I love that people love the Narnia movie. As far as like, do I wish it was a hundred percent for me? No, not not really. Actually. I don't feel that way. And I'm not saying wish, you're wrong for feeling that way. Just, I don't work that way. Here's, here's my thing. I wish any movie was a hundred percent for me. I wish there's literally any movie that I, when I was in college, I was in a, uh, a film studies course and a girl in that class said Dan in real life was her hundred percenter. Do you know how badly I wish Dan in real life could be my hundred percenter? Now see, that, I film get, that I get about, about Steve Carell and Dane cook dating the same girl that I get honestly. More so than I get like people being like, ah, w-, you know, uh, more so that I'd be like, I wish Star Wars A New Hope was 100% for me. Like, I'm perfectly fine with the amount that I love Star Wars A New Hope. I, I always want to be further knocked out by movies like Dan in Real Life. What about, uh, I had one, I had one, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. I haven't seen Little Miss Sunshine recently enough oh. to like 
Oh, I thought you were going to say never. Think about it. I have seen it. I saw it once, probably around the time when it came out. I'm I'm 100% sure that if I watch Little Miss Sunshine again, I will be like, this is amazing. I I'm sure I would. the yeah, person I was when I watched movies. this. I think that I would be the same way with like uh, 500 Days of Summer or uh, Internal Sunshine or any of those movies. Yeah. Those like early to mid 2000s, like art school dropout type films. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, Abby Cross says How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, it's always good, a good one on the perfectly list. Perfectly good one. Yep. Uh, Nick Pearson says Star Wars 4 and 5, About Time. There you go. That's one for you, Tyler. Uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, Promising a Young Woman, The Land Before Time, Clouds, which I'm not sure what that is, uh, Inside Out, Forrest Gump, Spaceballs, Blazing Saddles, Monty Python. Back to the Future, The Mask, Space Jam, The Big Lebowski, She's All That, Boys and Girls, The Lego Batman Movie, The Lego Movie, La La Land, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out. And then they say, to name a few. Uh, I always feel like people get, when they say to name a few at the end, I feel like they sit there typing like mad. Like, how did you not already say these? When we didn't prompt with anything. I mean, that's how I, when I I responded uh, to that tweet a couple weeks ago or a week ago or whatever, that was like, name a Western you like that's not Tombstone. I was sitting there like, you mother fricker. (laughs) <laughs> and I got to the end and had like three full tweets worth. And I was like, is that enough for you? Is that enough for you? You got, you, you, you got some Westerns. I've got some, uh, I've got some listener reviews or listener hundreds from the discord yeah. where I can read a little blurb about them. Uh, this one comes from the real wow snow. Uh, Alice in Wonderland, 1951. It was my favorite movie when I was little and there's too much nostalgia for me to see any flaws. Uh, Sprinkle Slammer says we used to watch Apollo 13 at Boy Scout camp. And when I was like 14, I watched it again recently and it still holds up. Uh, Watso videos. Hey, welcome back to Watso videos. I'm Watso and here's some videos. That's how I imagine he does his channel. Uh, that's, uh, this is one I've heard a hundred times since I went radio silent on watching movies. Uh, and I, I really want to review it on the show. Is the Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, he says the Mitchells versus the Machines is a 100. It's heartfelt, hilarious, relatable, tackles relevant issues in timeless ways, and is an absolute freaking blast. It's literally the Lilo and Stitch of this generation, as and it's an insane concept wrapped in an exploration of deep characters and the importance of family coming together. I I was like, Ethan's going to be so down for this until he wrote Lilo and Stitch. And I was like, Crap, uh, no, I'm not down for it at all. It. I mean, we can cover it, but it's definitely not one that's on my radar at all. Like people keep saying, really? it, just like, eh, nah, not my thing. Oh my God. It looks so doesn't, good. doesn't look like my thing at all. Uh, if you'll notice, none of mine are animated. <laughs> I have two animated that we haven't gotten to yet. I do not. Um, none of mine are animated. Uh, they can't be hundred percenters if they're animated. Sorry. They, for me, they just can't, they, I've not seen one yet. Um, uh, cool, 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 cool. I'll read some more of these. God, we got a bunch of these from, from Facebook. Gosh. Um, this episode has turned out to be longer than I thought it was going to be. We have, I still got four movies left. <laughs> I do too. Uh, I have three left. So you got, you go ahead and do it. Okay. Uh, my next one is about, um, is about a, a man that, uh, runs a hotel and gets himself into a lot of trouble. Mm. Uh, it is uh, it is a great film by a great director. It's one of my all time faves. It's uh, the Grand Budapest Hotel by Wes Anderson. It's so pretty. It's so like it is a movie that I think about every day. Like I don't I don't have to know what goes on in this movie for it to be a hundred for me. I just like looking at it. Right. It's like yes. It's I want to hang the whole damn thing on my wall like yeah. frame by frame and just look at it. <laughs> Uh, I could watch it on mute and still get enough out of it is the kind of movie it is. Uh, we cover Eni and I covered it on the show when you were gone one time. Uh, and that's a decision I almost regret is not having you on for that because I just think it's fantastic. It's obvious it's a Wes Anderson movie. So the cast is insane. Um, you know, they get everybody in the world in it for like 30 seconds just to come in and play yeah. a little bit part. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I think the true culmination of, of Wes Anderson's career 
to this point. Even though he's made movies after that, I do think that that is, that is his, his current peak. Um, in just the terms of visual storytelling, audio storytelling, regular storytelling. Um, you know, they made the movie in three different freaking aspect ratios. So you're like, oh, I know what time period it is here. This is perfect. That's so wild. It's so crazy. Uh, and I'm a sucker for the Wes Anderson aesthetic. What can I say? Um, like the squares. I like the squares. I like everything being squared off. I like the bright, obnoxious colors that don't work together. Um, it's, it's fantastic. Fantastic movie. What's your next one, Tyler? My next one is a, uh, so I first animated on the list is for anybody who's a fan of, uh, like board games, tabletop RPGs. Uh, but basically it's about two brothers who set out on a quest for uh, a mystical soul gem and get into a variety of zany antics from fighting off motorcycle pixies to riding a cheese puff down a river. But what really draws it together and what really makes it fantastic is the relationship between the two brothers and, uh, the people that they are. They're written, to subvert the expectation of any older brother and any younger brother in ways that I think are very real and very raw. And I absolutely love this Dan Scanlon masterpiece uh, that we got in 2019 called, or 2020 called Onward. Oh, I thought you were going to say Guardians of the Galaxy. I was like, Tyler, you've already I done know. this one and it's I not know. animated. I know. I know. No, it's uh, a good one for sure. On- Onward is one that like, this one is mine. Like, so many people I think are correct in like, if we pulled up the rubric on which of the 2020 Pixar films is better, I think soul checks more boxes. Um, but I just loved onwards so, so much. It's so well resonated with me. Uh, I put it on anytime and I enjoy it. Um, yeah. I mean, onward and, would have been the best Pixar movie any other year. It came out by like any margin, right? Like it blows most of the rest of them out of the water. Right. They just keep, turning out hits at this point. Like they can't, they, they've crushed it back and well, forth and, week in, week and out. Soul is fantastic. Doesn't make my list. Um, I do think I like it more now than I did when I first watched it, but, Oh, um, I'm terrified to revisit it. Just not because I think it's going to have gotten worse, but because like, I can't do that to myself right now <laughs> at all. Uh, and that's one of those, that's an episode I will go back and listen to in the future because that is a certain me that I will never be again in that episode. Was that uh, right before your mother passed? Yes. It's the same as like when somebody says, uh, somebody in the, in, that responded to the survey was like, oh, my favorite episode of Bacon and Eggs is the Venom episode. I'm like, me too, kid. That happened. We recorded that like an hour and a half before my dad died. Yeah. So like that dude doesn't exist anymore and will never exist. And occasionally I go back and listen to that episode. Just like remember what that guy was like. The, the, the absolute blissful ignorance of somebody who thinks he's about to spend uh, 30 days on tour with his band and is like hanging out with his best friend, watching a movie during the day and then going home and recording a, a podcast episode about it. Like and hating a movie, hating a movie, unapologetically watching a garbage sauce movie and just railing, ripping into it. Into it. Yeah, that, that Maybe I will Venom's never, not I even that never bad. be that guy again. Right. Like I will never be that person again. Every single opinion I have on a movie at this point is viewed through a different lens, through different eyes than that guy had. So like Venom, I think will forever be the worst movie I ever see for that reason, because like I need it to be right, because nothing can ever make me that happily unhappy ever again. <laughs> Yeah. Venom might be a hundred percent for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> and my next one is actually about a man who finds a symbiote. Uh, 
Uh, no, Onward's fantastic. I didn't mean to just cut you off talking about the different Pixar movie. Onward's fantastic. I absolutely get why you, that one resonates for you more than any of the rest of them, for sure. Uh, fantastic movie. At no point have I been like, um, oh, I, you know, I would not watch Onward right now. No way. <laughs> I, like, it's not what I put on every night, but if somebody in my house was like, oh, let's watch Onward, I'd be like, yeah, sure, absolutely. That's, it's awesome. Duh. Yeah, I love it. Duh. <laughs> No brainer. Um, my next one is about a a uh, a person uh, who was a musician at a conservatory. No way. <laughs> it's Whiplash. Yeah. No way. Yeah, oh my gosh. It's Whiplash. Uh, we can we can just move on because we already talked about Whiplash, but it definitely makes yeah. the list for me as well. Uh, which is crazy because I think we we both did we rate it below Social Network at the end of the year on the year end list. I think we did. I don't know. I don't have that list pulled up. I, I'm gonna get it real quick. I will say no, Social did, Network we, didn't we make did this. We put it over Social Network. Social Network didn't make this list, but it it is absolutely one of my all time favorite films, and it is a hundred percenter. Yeah, it's an honorable mention every day of the week. Yep, uh, absolutely better than a lot of the films I've mentioned. Yes, uh, uh, that's that's a must see. Some plenty of my movies are not must sees. That's a must see. Yeah, that one's canon for sure. <laughs> yeah, there is there are multiple references to uh, the Social Network in my Grail Diary for yes. sure. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. You uh, like if it's a quest, you have to find the flip flops. You have to find <laughs> the flip flops. Yes. Uh, uh, my next one is also animated. Um, I'm too animated on this one. Uh, it is a, a deeply moving film that personifies emotions in an unbelievable and accessible way uh, that not only lends itself to emotional literacy for all ages, but also delivers an exceptional story with, with beautiful animation and heartfelt characters. Uh, and that's an inside out, uh, which honestly wouldn't have been even top tier Pixar for me until very recently when it was in a, a Jojo rabbit episode, when we talked about the emotions and how they would have affected in Jojo's mind. And you realize you think like, about inside out every single day. And, and then, I was like, this This is one of my all-time favorite movies. You're yeah, now that. no longer capable of not thinking about yourself as five little yous inside your brain arguing. Yeah. 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 And thinking about who's in the driver's seat and yeah. who's got core memories and what my core memories are. Oh, yeah. The, the yeah. amount that I say at this point in my life, oh, that's a core memory is absolutely true. Yeah. Um, if I, yeah. If I had to pick uh, an animated movie, which I didn't for this list, and I did say earlier, like, oh, it can't be. That's that's not true. There could definitely be animated hundreds, and I think that I would, I would say this one is it, but... Um, I did not put it on my list. I don't know why I thought about it, yeah. but honestly, because I knew you were going to say it, I didn't put it on my list. Cause you, you were like, Oh yeah. My, if I had to pick a Pixar, it'd be uh, onward and inside out. And I'm like, okay, so he's going to do those. Things. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't pick yeah. this for that reason. Um, uh, and I think like that again, these are all off the dome. I didn't, I did not open Google to like list of Pixar movies, list of Marvel movies. I just, I think what made them 100%ers for me was like when I sat down to think about 100% movies, these are the ones that I came up with. Well, yeah, I I, I, a, the only reason I Googled anything it. is because I wanted to pick ones that we hadn't done on the show to some extent so I could get. I, I have maybe two that yeah. we haven't done on the show. I think we've done all nine of mine so far. Maybe one of them we haven't. We haven't uh, done six of mine. Yeah. But my next one we haven't done. So. My next one we haven't done as well. Uh, my next one's another courtroom movie. Uh, actually, but it is a, it is a full blast, uh, courtroom comedy. I mean, it's a little dramatic and it's, it's, but it's very funny. Uh, it's about a man who has never won a case in his life and he goes down to, uh, save his nephew or, or not his nephew, obviously, but it goes down to save a family member from, uh, getting put in jail in Alabama. It's my cousin Vinny. Ooh, I've never seen my Joe cousin Pesci. Vinny. Uh, I think this is one of the funniest movies 
it's ever been made. It's a movie I think about all the time and a movie I could quote relentlessly, even to people that don't know it and are like, what the hell are you talking about? And all I got to do is see somebody on TikTok being like a mint metallic green Pontiac Tempest. And I'm thinking about that movie for the next four days. Uh, <laughs> it is it is one of the funniest movies ever for me. It's so good. It's so poignant uh, because it just rips the legal system to shreds completely because like, yes, he is a bad attorney, but also it's an absolute farce. This trial is because like they have just decided that these kids killed somebody, even though there's no evidence whatsoever. And like their eyewitness testimony or, you know, is BS. And the whole thing is just it absolutely is a great commentary on the legal system and a commentary on the flaws of the deep south and is also just hilarious i mean it's joe pesci like it's just being joe pesci uh one of the one of the all-time great comedies for me movie i think about all the time what's your last well, one t the last one is uh a biopic um, okay this this has been uh i, I love biopics I don't, i'm surprised i don't have more of them on i don't here. have any honestly i they always they're either very hit or very miss for me this is one that i actually haven't revisited in a long time but Growing up was one of my all-time favorite movies. Um, I probably shouldn't have been watching it as young as I was. It tackles some pretty adult themes, and there are like historical events that happen in it that I just never knew existed. Um, and I, I don't think like I understand the gravity of when I was watching it at like twelve. Um, but it is a biopic about uh, an American athlete named Steve Prefontaine. Uh, it is bolstered by performances from Billy Crudup and Donald Sutherland. And it is absolutely fantastic. Um, I mean, it just changes the way that I think about biopics and running and the Olympics. And uh, it's called Without Limits. I still have never seen this movie. Um, I It is so insanely good. Uh, it is like I've met some of the people who like like so Steve Prefontaine died in a car accident because he drove drunk his friend Frank Shorter home from a party. And I've met Frank Shorter, which I think is pretty cool. Um, even though, like, like you would think, like, given that Air legacy, cool. <laughs> given that legacy, you'd think was like, are you the good guy? But he, like, it wasn't his fault. He, like, he happened to be at that party, and Steve happened to say he could drive. Like, at least that's how the the film portrays it. I'm sure that was the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's a very, very fantastic film. It's inspirational. It's heartfelt um there's a great love story in it uh yeah i really like that movie and i would love to cover it on the podcast sometime um but well, th- hey I, hey tyler you gotta you pitch more movies man you gotta no i know i don't know hey, see this maybe, is the thing you, is should... you just pitched seven that we have to cover before we do my one that's fair but also you <laughs> pick all the safe options constantly uh i like the safe options i you know it's easy uh, my my tenth one is one that we absolutely have to cover, and I'm honestly shocked we haven't done yet. <laughs> Avengers Endgame? No, it's not Avengers Endgame. <laughs> it did cover that. It is a movie. Uh, well, you know what? I'll just say it. it's a movie about a guy whose life is a TV show. Oh yeah, it's we the Truman Show. This, one. Uh, yep. this is um, this movie stands alone as one of the all time great uh, like looks at the human experience. Really, just puts mm-hmm. the whole thing on on edge and I think continues somehow to age better and better and better every day. Basically we're like more and more. I start thinking like maybe I am in a TV show, right? Like not, what, not what, to like a psychotic level, but to like a, there has to be some catch, right? Like it's going to stop at some point. I think what's so interesting to me about the Truman show is it almost appears as this like horror scenario where Truman is like in a TV show for his whole life. 
Yeah. But then you look at somebody like Kim Kardashian or Charlie D'Amelio, and it's like, no, if given the option to be that famous, a lot of people would take it. A lot of people would take it, yeah. Now, but they take it knowingly. I don't know. I don't think, I don't think Kim Kardashian knew. Yeah, but like, they told her she was on TV, Tyler. Okay, okay. Bad example with Kim Kardashian. Uh, the, The royal family right now, the deconstruction that's happening there. Sure. I think that's very Truman Show, where uh, I can't think of the ones that are leaving with the Oprah interviews and everything. But, like, that to me is like, yeah, if you weren't given the option and the Truman Show just happened to you, it would suck. Yes. Well, I, and that's the thing is I think that it, it's so interesting, the fact that Truman doesn't know he's on it, right? Like, that's part of the whole thing is that Truman doesn't know that he is on his television show. And on some level, that's terrible because, like, people are profiting off his, his life and, like, his life is scripted basically in a way that he cannot comprehend because he's part of it. But also like he gets some relative degree of safety that none of us can ever hope for. Right. Like he's, I would not, I would not trade everyone I've ever known lying to me. For no, the absolutely level of not. But like if you never has. found out, right. If you never found out and like, Yes, sure. People have been mean to you. Bad things have happened to you, right? But like, you've never been in danger of starving or going homeless or dying, really, right? You're never in any danger. And I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it's just a very interesting perspective on the human experience. And that's the difference between Truman and Kim Kardashian, right? Is like, Kim Kardashian is a celebrity. She gets something out of it in ways that Truman never does, short of his safety. But he, Truman gets gets things that Kim Kardashian can never have, which is a normal life, where he just gets to live in his suburb and have a pretty dandy existence, by God. Yeah. You know, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Right. Uh, no, I, I, fantastic movie. A movie I think about daily, to some extent. Um, yeah. Definitely oh, yeah. a must, a must see a, a movie we need to cover on the show at some point. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about it plenty of times. It just never actually got done because it is kind of a, a it's not hard it's not to watch, funny. but it's almost tough to have a conversation about. I disagree. I think, I think you could have an entire, like, I think that's the part of the fun of it is that you could talk about the concepts portrayed in it for hours. Sure. Yeah, you definitely could. But I think you also have to, if you're doing it on podcast, have to get into a little bit inside your own head to some extent, yeah. uh, which is, a, you know, a conversation that. Some people don't always want to get into. Anyway, we've gone long on this, actually. Yeah. So um, thank you so much for listening. There's other shows on the WBNE network like uh, Curly Critics. Listen to a preview for them right now. Hi, I'm Curly and she's Critic and we're the... No, wait. Our introduction goes like this. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jade. And we're the Curly Critics and we review pop culture every week. Check us out as we review New Girl. The Narnia movies. And coming very soon, Harry Potter. New episodes out every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts or on WBNE.org. And don't forget, beavers aren't real. Uh, if you're looking for a podcast with my voice on it, go check me out on the restriction section where we covered the Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban movie. Uh, that was out uh, yesterday, Wednesday, June 10th, June 9th. Uh, today is June 10th, so it came out June 9th, so go listen to that. Show that podcast some love. They are great. I had an absolute blast recording that, and uh, if you want me to be on your show about anything, uh, hit me up. Bang my line. And I will uh, say that Discord you, DMs are a bad way to get in touch with me. I'll let you know that ahead of time. Uh, if you if you uh, want a really fun queer podcast this this Pride Month, you should check out Sounds Fake But Okay. Uh, they're not WBNE, but they're fantastic in every way. And every time they tweet, I'm like, Ooh, I love them. They're yeah, I awesome. I want to get them back on the show. That was so much yeah. fun. One they of my favorites. Very cool. Um, um, cool. Anyway, our graphics yeah. are by Mason Brandon, graph.bnb and Instagram. Our music's by Andrew Scott Bell, andrewscottbellmusic.com. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs to get our extra gifts this month, the podcast and the, uh, the songs that we're going to sing to you. And it's going to be fun. Uh, I can't wait to get to start recording those. Um, 
cool. It's going to be good. Tyler, you got anything else? I don't. Excellent. Well, then, uh, you know, from all of us here at Bacon and Eggs WB&E, uh, I've been Ethan Etchill. He's been Tyler Carlin. And uh, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Arrivederci. About time. <laughs>